Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Good to see everybody. How you guys doing? Karina, I loved what you had to say. You know, we, we are Celebration Church, and one of the things we celebrate around here is answered prayers. Has anybody ever had an answered prayer? Come on. I, I believe there's somebody here today that you've been hoping God would do something. You've been believing God would do something, and I just want you to know we're in a house full of people that have experienced answered prayer. If you've experienced answered prayer, put your hand up one more time. Come on, look around. Get some faith in the house. There's some people that have seen God do a miracle in their life. I really believe what God has done in the past is going to be an indicator of what God will do in the future. Whatever we've seen him do is going to, to predict what he will do. The Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he's not fickle. He doesn't change his mind. Uh, I, I, think, I think that would do us really good, American church, to realize this. He doesn't change his mind. I just feel the Lord telling me to do this. No, 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 he's telling me to do that. No, no, he's telling me. Like, maybe you can't hear the Lord. <laughs> uh, I, I, just, I just know that he, he is a consistent God, and when he does something in the past, he'll do it again. And when he brought my family to faith back in the 20s, I'm telling you, he'll bring your family to faith in the 2020s. Come on, somebody. <laughs> He can do a miracle. And, and, and the thing that I think a lot of us don't realize is, is, is we, we buy into this sort of um, American idea, this Western world idea that, that, um, that everything happens for a reason. That's not what your Bible says. Your Bible says that God will work all things out for good. But it doesn't mean that everything in your life that has happened is a good thing. Or that it all has reason behind it. Jesus has even asked these questions uh, at a couple times. Like there's this tower that falls. He said, why did this happen? And Jesus responds. His response isn't by saying why it happened. What he responds is he says, he says what are you going to do? How are you going to live out your life knowing that crazy things can happen? Right? <clears throat> and, um, and, and today I just, I just want to drill down on this idea that I, I think a lot of us as believers, we, we love the Lord. We, we, we want to honor him with our lives. But there, there are statistics that show that 80% of Christians don't know their purpose in life. And that's a sad thing. Because in the Lord's Prayer, it says, your will be done on earth as it already is being done in heaven. Yeah. What that means is this, is that what's going on in earth, God's asking you to pray the will of God from heaven down onto earth. That you could transform this planet we live on. Because you really live in a world of conflict. There really is a thing called evil that is in direct opposition to the will of God. 
and it's your job to pray the will of God down, and it's your job to act out the will of God. I'm going to go back to Nehemiah. We, we spoke about Nehemiah a couple weeks ago, um, and since then we had Mother's Day, and um, we love moms, and then we had one of my overseers, Pastor Tyler, here, and I had a bunch of you ask, what church is he at? What church is he at? Like, no, you can't move to Springfield. <laughs> no. I know he's good. That's why we brought him, <laughs> but you can't leave. <laughs> Nehemiah 1.8 says this. <clears throat> Remember the word that I commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the people. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. Just a few chapters later, it says this. We're going back to some familiar characters in Scripture, Sanballat and Tobiah. Hey, hey. It says, now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and I had sat there, <clears throat> was no breach left in it. Although up to that time I had not set up the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come and let us meet together in the plain of Ono. There's a preacher joke in there somewhere. But they intended to do me harm. Have you ever encountered somebody that you, you knew what they were saying wasn't really their intention. You could tell they had different intentions. That's what's going on here. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? When you're in the middle of doing a great work for God, don't stop. Don't be sidetracked. Don't, don't get off track. Don't, don't, don't get uh, discouraged. Don't allow the voices that, that show up in the middle of a great work derail you. I think sometimes we're in the middle of like, We recognize God is doing something in our family. And then all of a sudden we're off over here in la-la land trying to figure out what, why is all this stuff happening? Because the enemy of your soul will always try to de derail the great thing God is doing in your life. Every time. It's his role. Nehemiah 6.15 is just a few verses later. It says this. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month Elu in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and they fell and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. They were able to recognize that God's hand was at work. And I mentioned it earlier that, that one of the greatest tragedies in Christianity is that we often think the whole goal of this thing is just to get saved. And, and we celebrate people getting saved around here. Anybody been saved around here? We love that. Any, anybody, you gave your life to the Lord in the last year around here. Is there anybody that, that this was the year of your transformation? Come on, put it up. Put it up. Come on. We got some hands. We got some hands. 
But God's goal for you does not stop at salvation. God's goal for you begins there, but it goes into purpose and, and the productivity of your life that is aimed at his purposes. And this is a big question we all have in life. Like, like why am I here? What is my purpose? Is my job really to just do my, my tasks at work and then show up at home and just go through the same ritual every single evening? Is that really the purpose of life? I'm going to tell you, the way you discover your purpose is by understanding God's purpose. When you know his purpose, you'll know your purpose. Um. I was cleaning my car at Mr. Car Wash the other day. I love, I, I just thank the Lord for Mr. Car Wash. That, that's a good thing, um, being able to just drive through there. And, and it's, you get, you, it's like unlimited. So like, you know, you can wash your car every day if you wanted to. Um, the other day I went through the car wash and I had, um, the, the school, the, the, the school sends home dairy with my kids every day. I don't know. I think the Dairy Council is a very strong entity, is what I think. And, um, and so they demand that your kids get sent home with uh, milk from school every day. And so it's fantastic, except it never makes it to the refrigerator. It always ends up in the back of my truck on the floorboard. And then uh, I don't know about it, and it ends up getting stepped on like every time. So then in the back of my truck, uh, it gets filled with nasty milk, you know. Um, so I had taken out all the, the floorboards and cleaned them out and then uh, vacuumed out the car. And I, I, was, I was at Mr. Car Wash vacuuming out uh, all, the, all the stuff. I, I used one of those, um, you know, those upholstery scrubbers. They have the little bristles on it and it makes foam everywhere. So I did that and then I started vacuuming it out. And I told my boys, I said, all right, get out of the truck. And my daughter, I said, get out. We're, we're gonna gra- everybody, everybody grab a vacuum. We're going to vacuum the, the truck out. And uh, so my oldest son, he knew the drill. He grabs a vacuum and he starts going and... Uh, the next thing I know, I'm seeing debris flying around my car, just, just stuff flying around. And uh, my youngest son had found uh, just this little spray nozzle that's right beside the vacuum. So the vacuum sucks in air. I don't know why they have it, but there's a spray nozzle that blows air, right? So, so I've, got this, I've got this eight-year-old with a blow gun, like running around, like just blowing dirt all over. I'm like, I'm like, but no, 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 go get a vacuum. No, dad, I'm doing this. I was like, no, 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 no. Just go get it. We're, we're vacuuming the car. No, dad, you don't understand. This is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow all this. And now there's water from the car wash blowing inside the car. I mean, he's just... And then it goes from there to like discovering that you can take the spray nozzle and stick it in your mouth and like, you know, it just sticks out, blown in his face, blowing air down his pants, like, ah, I farted. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, like just vacuum the car. Because here's the deal, like he thought the purpose of the car wash was entertainment, But if he had been able to discover his dad's purpose, come on, somebody. I'm in the word right now. He would have understood what real, the real purpose was. And so many of us in our lives are running around with a spray nozzle looking for entertainment, looking for the next thing we can, we can stick in our mouth, make our mouth real big, like, ah, look at me, you know. But, but God has a purpose. He has a plan for our life. This world tells us that finding purpose is all about finding out who you are. 
Just, just know who you are. And I'm telling you that finding purpose is not about discovering who you are. It's not true. It's about discovering who God is and who you are in him. There is a cause greater than your individual freedoms. There's a cause greater than your individual preferences. There's a cause, and his name is the Father in heaven, and he has sent you, he has commissioned you, he has purposed you so that you would act out his purposes. And I'm just saying for somebody today, maybe set down the air nozzle, pick up a vacuum and get moving, because he didn't save you just to save you. He saved you so that you could live out his purpose. And it is God's will that you'd be happy, that you'd be blessed, that you'd have great fulfillment in life. But let me explain something to you. Fulfillment in life comes when we are completing the purpose of God. That's where fulfillment really comes from. Think about it. Why would God call Nehemiah, who was in a different country, he was in a different region. His life was comfortable. He, he, had, he, he, was, he was in reasonable success, and God calls him out of the place he was to go into a dangerous situation to rebuild the walls of the house of God. Why, why would God call Nehemiah out of comfort into danger? Let me, let me tell you this, because God has a purpose that's bigger than your comfort. Because God has a plan, and his plan looks like rebuilding the temple of God, and it begins with rebuilding the walls of the kingdom of God. I'm just telling somebody today that you are part of something bigger than your living room couch. In the Old Testament, we see that Abraham is what we call the father of faith. He, he's the first one that responds to God purely on faith alone, and, and we see him as the father of faith. In the New Testament, we, we understand that the, we are actually the children of Abraham if we follow him by faith. First Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own purposes, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm telling somebody that you've got a purpose in your life, and your purpose looks like leveraging everything you are, everything you know, and everything you have to point towards the excellencies of God so that other people would know who he is. We're, we're, we're saved as individuals, but then we're brought into a family. The salvation experience is an individual experience, but what happens immediately is you're brought into the family of God, and in this family, we have a big sense of identity, and we have a big sense of purpose, and I'm just telling somebody today that if, you, if, you, if you're looking for just religion that only tells you like, oh, you're saved, you're good, you're saved, you're good, yes, you're saved, yes, you're good, grow up and be part of the family, roll up your sleeves and tell 
tell somebody else about the excellence of Jesus Christ because he did a powerful work in your life and he wants to do a powerful work in your boss's life, in your neighbor's life, in your aunt's life. I'm, my wife is out of town, so I'm preaching a little angry today. <laughs> Who's he mad at? Mama's out of town. So that's your purpose, but understand that there, there really is an enemy of your soul. There really is darkness. And the enemy of your soul's agenda is to scatter the people of God, to separate them. We are people who once had no hope, who once had no mercy, who once had no purpose in life. But when he found us, we discovered hope, mercy, and purpose. And the enemy of your soul will try to attack your hope, mercy, and purpose by scattering you. So why do we rebuild the walls? Like, why did God say we need to rebuild these? Was God looking ahead into the future? Because he's, he's omniscient. He knows all things. So he, he can really, he's outside of time, truly. Like, God is outside of time. And, and so he... He looks ahead into the future and he's watching an episode of Chip and Joanna Gaines and he's like, he's like, oh, we need to rebuild the temple. Like, have you ever, have you ever done that? You like watch one of those shows, you get super excited about it, you're like, yeah, let's do this. You go down to Home Depot and you realize that is a really bad idea. <laughs> 12 bucks for a two by four? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <clears throat> That's not the will of the Lord. <laughs> it is for somebody. That's a, <laughs> somebody. <laughs> But God uses those physical walls that Nehemiah rebuilds. He uses the physical walls because he has a spiritual purpose. Walls were intended to be a place of safety and protection. But in creating the safety and protection, they're establishing a boundary in which heaven can meet earth. And I'm telling some people today that maybe it's time in your walk with God that you say, you know what, I'm going to press into the things of God and establish some new walls in my life and allow his purpose into my home, into my family, into my workplace, into my church, into my mind, and into my heart. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Sanballat and Tobiah, they, they were the tools of the enemy. They were working through words. And through their words, they were able to discourage and to distract. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says that we put on the whole armor of God so we can stand against the schemes of the devil. You ever met someone that's always scheming? It's like, I know, you're playing Uno with somebody and they're scheming. Like, who, who puts Uno cards up their sleeve? It's like my nephew one day pulled out his wallet and, like, four draw fours fall out of his, out of his wallet. We're like, what are you? Why? He's like, you never know when an Uno game's going to break out. <laughs> you, know, you just got to be prepared sometimes because there's always somebody with a, with a scheme. 
And the schemes of the enemy are not to physically harm you. But he uses words to attack the way you think and believe. And then what you do is accidentally, unknowingly, because we're not aware of his schemes, we agree with the lies and he establishes strongholds in our lives. It's like one of our presidents, Franklin Roosevelt, said this. He said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Fear unjustly causes people to not rise up and advance into the things that God has called them to advance into. It causes them to not advance when it's time to advance. And I would say if there was one word for this season in our world, if there was one word to describe our culture right now, it is this, the only thing we have is fear. And I'm telling you that that is a, is a spirit of the age. And that is the enemy of your soul. And I'm telling you that you serve a God who does not give us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a strong mind. So where does fear come from? As, as Nehemiah is rebuilding the wall and Sanballat and Tobiah arrive and they begin spouting off accusations, like where does fear come from in our lives? And, and I want you to know that fear comes, one of the places that fear comes from is this feeling of being overwhelmed. Facing circumstances that you feel are impossible Opposition that is undefeatable. Sanballat and Tobiah spread a rumor into Nehemiah's ears, this, this idea that he would be attacked on every side. It's, it's one thing to be able to back your, your back into a corner, but it's another thing when you don't know where the fight is coming from. And I feel like there's a lot of people that, that the truth is you feel overwhelmed. You call it anxiety, but it's really this, this overwhelming sense of I, I've got too many things going on and they're coming at me from every angle, from within my family, from in the workplace, from my bank account, from my emotions. And so what happens is we don't know where solid ground is and we become overwhelmed. When we're overwhelmed, we think everything's against us. We read into every conversation as though somebody is, they've got an angle, that they're trying to do something against us. When we're feeling overwhelmed, you can't focus on what needs to happen now. This is one of the most important principles in success in your life is just identifying what needs to happen now. But when you're trying to take on everything, you can't focus on anything. Abraham's call by God was that he would be the father of many nations. That he would have several million children and yet Abraham was impotent. What that means is he rode a bicycle too much. 
Amen, somebody. You need a gel seat. But the call to be the father of many nations, that's an overwhelming call. I've got great purposes for you, Abraham. I've got this huge purpose for you. That's overwhelming. I think a lot of us get overwhelmed. The moment we glimpse God's purpose in our life, we get overwhelmed. But what allowed Abraham to fulfill the purpose of God in his life was simply doing the first thing in front of him. Just stepping forward. It's doing those first things. It's not trying to get everything accomplished. It's the first things. So, so many of us, like, I've got this, this huge purpose. God, God's asking me to do all this stuff. There's, it's so overwhelming. And what I'm telling you is just be faithful to the next step. You don't have to be faithful to the whole run. Be faithful to the next step. And as you're faithful to the next step, God will fulfill his purposes in your life. The beautiful thing about the promises of God is that you don't have to accomplish them. All you've got to do is be faithful to the first thing. Just be faithful to the first thing. I think of so many times, even in, in the life of, of, of my own ministry, that, that I've just felt overwhelmed. I've, I've felt that there's so many things going on and I don't know what to do. And, and you know what we do is we just stop for a second. There's so many things we want to accomplish. There's lots of things. We've got 30 people every week come and say, in my last church, we did this. In my last church, we did this. I'm like, no, 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 no. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to be faithful to the next step, and God will fulfill the rest. God will fulfill the rest. The Bible says this, that if you seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. And I'm just telling somebody that you feel overwhelmed, like fear has entrenched itself in, in your mind. Just be faithful to the first things you know. Just be faithful in the first. Be faithful to God's house. Be faithful to your family. Be faithful on your job. Be faithful as a friend. And I promise God will fulfill his purposes in your life. The next thing that we see, like fear coming from, comes from this sense of over, being surrounded, overwhelmed. But it also comes from a sense of inadequacy. Being overwhelmed is when we feel like the circumstances are too big for us. Inadequacy is when we feel like we aren't big enough for the circumstances. Inadequacy is when we feel like we are unqualified, incapable, not enough, ill-equipped. Can I tell somebody today that I've done ministry my entire adult life and I have never felt like enough? And that's fine. I think sometimes we, we say, oh, that's imposter syndrome if you don't feel like enough. No, it's not. It's the enemy of your soul telling you that you don't have what it takes, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And do all things through him. Fear diminishes. Fear scatters. Fear causes you to freeze. But I'm telling somebody today that faith in God multiplies. Faith expands. Faith causes forward progression in your life. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says this, And my God 
He'll supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. If the enemy of your soul can devalue you, he will, but your God will supply everything you lack. Are you lacking education today? I'm telling you, my God can provide counsel. Are you lacking resources today? I'm telling you that my God is the, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't know how many cattles that is, but that's a lot of cattles. Are, are you lacking wisdom and how to be a good husband? I'm telling you, we serve a God who can teach you how to be a good husband because he supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory. He's not looking for somebody who's got enough. He's not looking for the woman that has it all figured out and is ready to charge the gates of hell. He's looking for someone who recognizes they don't have enough. We serve a God who takes the person with nothing and he makes them something. We serve the kind of God that goes from rags to riches. We serve the kind of God that says, not enough, I'm going to make it enough, more than enough. We serve the kind of God that makes a nobody a somebody. We, we serve the kind of God that gets, takes Moses and says, what's in your hand, Moses? And he says, what's in my hand is nothing but a stick. And God says, a stick is more than enough, Moses. We'll free the children of Israel with a stick. We serve the kind of God that five loaves and two fishes can feed 5,000 people with 12 baskets left over. I'm just saying whatever the inadequacy is that you experience in your life and you just feel like you missed out on seasons of your life or, or you're stunted for some reason, I'm telling you that your God is the God of more than enough. More than enough. I may be small. I may have insecurities, but I have a God who is bigger than it all. The third place that we discover fears is just straightforward, what I would call the spirit of fear. Somebody right now is like, oh, you believe in ghosts. Holy ghost, somebody said. Holy Ghost. No, the Bible does teach us about strongholds. And the Bible does teach us that there's a thing called a spirit of fear. It says that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And this idea of a spirit of fear is, it is pervasive in our world. And, and, and I want to preface this by saying, don't be ashamed of the fear you have in your life. Fear is important. In fact, the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. God, God gave you fear for a reason. You're supposed to have fear. You're, suppo you're just not supposed to be controlled by a spirit of fear. You're supposed to be afraid when you pick up a rattlesnake. You're supposed to be afraid when you're going down Highway 84 and it's snowing and it's like frozen rain. You're supposed to be afraid in those. 
You're supposed to be afraid. When you stop at a, at a public restroom on the highway somewhere and you have to sit down on a toilet, you're supposed to be afraid. But you're not supposed to be controlled by fear. You're not supposed to allow it to, to, to get itself stuck in our minds to keep us from all that God calls us to do. When everyone else is losing their mind, the children of God need to be sitting with what the Bible calls a sound mind. I've been given a sound mind. This is what's going on with Nehemiah. He's been called to rebuild this wall, and Sanballat and Tobiah show up, and they're like, oh, you don't want to be building this wall. We've got you surrounded. You don't want to build this wall because you're not enough to build this wall. Infiltrating him with fear, and what he instructs the people to do is something very simple. When Nehemiah was threatened on every account, in every direction, there was fear. What he instructed the people to do was in one hand hold a weapon, and in another hand, hold a spade. He said, I want you to build with one hand, and I want you to protect yourself with the other hand. I want you to engage the purpose of God with one hand, and I want you to defend yourself on the other hand. I'm saying, like, it's important that we understand that this idea of, like, Worshiping God and my purpose in God are not, they're not different things. They go together. Uh, sometimes you, you'll enter into an environment and, and, and all, all we want to do is just, I just want to worship the Lord and bask in his presence and I just want to experience his goodness. It's so amazing. And I'm all about that. But I'm telling somebody, pick up pick up a spade in the other hand, start building a wall. Uh, I'm, I, and we got the other people that all they want to do is roll up their sleeves and build. And they don't have time for this worship thing. They don't have time for this encountering God thing. We're just here to build. And I'm saying, Nehemiah says, you're going to do both. You're going to have a weapon in one hand and a spade in the other hand because we're going to experience the goodness of God in the land of the living, but we're also going to defend ourselves against fear that's coming around in this world right now. I'm just saying the grace of God is big enough and strong enough that through him you can do all things. And I'm telling somebody today, this thing is, is it bigger than you. <clears throat> it's bigger than you. So grab a weapon of worship in one hand and discover your purpose in God in the other hand and let's see God do some powerful things in this valley. <clears throat> if the band would come now, the Bible tells us that the weapons of our warfare, they're, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I'm just telling somebody today, maybe there's a stronghold of fear that's entrenched itself in your life and, and you felt like you're supposed to step out in an area. You're supposed to begin something new. You feel like you're supposed to start a business and right now somebody's like, a business? That's not spiritual. This prosperity gospel. No, it's not. God calls kings into the kingdom of God. People who are, who are strong in business for a purpose. The purpose is bigger than them. 
And I'm telling somebody, maybe you've sensed inside of you, like, I'm, su- I'm supposed to start a business. I'm saying, one hand, get a hold of God. Other hand, grab a spade. I'm supposed to be a better husband. One hand, get a hold of the things of God. Other hand, you need to get around some good husbands. You don't need a book. What you need to do is spend a week with a really good husband. I just want to be a better, a better father. You want to be a better father? You're not going to find it in a book. Books are great. But if you want to be a better father, you need to get around a good family. Most of us never experienced a great family growing up, and so we think, well, if I just read about it, I'll know about it. No, you won't. You need to get around someone that knows how to treat their family well. I just, I just feel called to, 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 to really impact women. Great. Get around women that impact women. Because God has called you to something greater. God has called you to something bigger. And you may feel like you're going through hell right now. You may feel like life has just been hard. And I'm here to tell you, that's exactly where God establishes his kingdom. In the difficult seasons of life. The Bible says this. It's not by power, not by might, not by power but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I'm telling somebody today that God is calling you to something greater. So grab a weapon that's not carnal. Get a hold of worship. Get a hold of prayer. Get a hold of the things of God in one hand. And on the other hand, let's start building the kingdom of God. Because he has great intentions and great purposes the enemy's goal is to scatter God's goal is to gather it's actually what the word ecclesia or church means it doesn't actually mean the called out ones it actually means the assembly it's like a town hall meeting that's what what it really means God gathers and I'm just telling somebody, you may feel like, maybe, you, maybe you're church shopping right now. Maybe you're church shopping. <clears throat> I hope your shopping experience has been good. <laughs> I really do. But you're always going to feel like an outsider until you put roots down somewhere. And they don't have to be here. But you have to put roots down. And when you put roots down, I promise you're going to start feeling like you finally belong. Because God has called you not to just be saved, but to be part of a family and then to the purpose of his kingdom. Would you all stand with me all across the room? I'm going to pray for a couple things. The first one is this. If you... uh, If you really feel like fear has been paralyzing you, 
and maybe it's revealed itself in your life through being overwhelmed or maybe it's revealed itself in your life as being inadequate. If you're experiencing fear, would you just put your hand on it? You're in a safe place. We're here because we believe in a God that can heal and that can strengthen. That's why we're here. Put your hand up. Come on. Let's see him. I'm going to pray for you guys first. If that's you, I just want you to put your hands up to receive. Just, just like this, like you're receiving from the Lord. Father, your word says that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. So right now, I rebuke the spirit of fear that has attached itself to these minds and people in this room. And we release your freedom and your power and your creativity and your confidence These are your sons and your daughters. Fear you have no place. I pray that right now people would rise up with confidence in the Holy Ghost, knowing that they serve a king and they are sons and daughters, the one who owns it all. Receive confidence now in the name of Jesus. Maybe you're here today, and as I'm preaching, you're thinking, this is good, but I just feel so, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm against God, or there's something between me and God. It's because there is. The Bible says that we are at enmity with God. That means it's like you're driving down the road one way, and he's driving the other way playing chicken and at some point somebody needs to flinch and I'm telling you it's not going to be God and if right now in this moment you're thinking I, I, need to, I need to course correct I need to change something right now if that's you in this house I'm going to begin by saying you're in a house full of people that would go crazy if they knew that was what was going on inside of you right now they would be so excited and so supportive if you're like, no, that's me. I need to course correct. That's the room you're in. So if that's you. You recognize I am at enmity with God and I need to change my direction. If that's you, put your hand up. Come on. Come on. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to repent and we're going to believe. It's that simple. Repent means we're going to turn away from the things in our life that we know don't please God. And we're going to believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, He cleanses us from all sin and brings us into right relationship with God. Would you join me right now in a prayer like this? God, please forgive me. I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. Right now, I'm turning away from them. I believe that Jesus Christ died 
was buried and rose again. And right now I'm placing all of my faith in him. Say these words, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. And I'm going to follow you every day that I live. Come on, some of you just made the best decision of your life just now. Best decision. Best decision of your life. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.